Hello, and welcome to Kill the Dragon. Ooh. Oh, you hear that? Ching, 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 ching. ching, ching. Uh, a podcast for dangerous <laughs> saints. This is episode seven of the podcast and a podcast fresh from summer break. Amen. So I'm here with uh, Fred Gilkison. Shauna Gibby is absent. She ditched us. She ditched us. Yes. Probably for better things, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Probably some noble cause. But she set the meeting, then, then, then she, she did. Us. So, so we, we need to say this on the front, that Shauna decided that we should record on a Thursday afternoon, which is what we're doing, and then she told us she couldn't make it. So I feel <laughs> personally insulted. Yes. Um, but uh, we have a very special guest with us. Dalton Colburn is with us. He's a Landmark graduate. It's the class of 2020, Evening. which was a very uneventful and wonderful <laughs> year. Yes. What happened in 2020? It was great, just a wonderful time. Uh, but we are, so I have Fred here and Dalton here, and uh, Dalton's getting ready to go to Liberty University, back to school at Liberty. Um, so he's been packing and getting ready for that. And so we grabbed him and sat him down with us, and so grateful for that. But Dalton, if you just want to talk through who you are, if that name sounds familiar, we had Crystal Colburn earlier. We are related. Yes. Um, so that's First a, repeat. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Dalton, if you just want to tell tell everybody who you are and what the Lord's been doing in your life and uh, what you're anticipating in the coming year, everything. Um, yeah, I mean, first off, it's great sitting down. Thanks for inviting me, letting me be a part. Um, the, the international studios just overwhelm you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's quite a gig we have going. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. but yeah, it's a treat. Anytime people get to sit around and talk like this, even if it's us here or anyone talking who doesn't put it on a podcast, right. um, these kind of conversations matter and they're greatly helpful in my life and I'm sure y'all's. But um, yeah, story can go many places. I always seem to tell it differently. But as he said, graduated recently from Landmark and I would say that this is the place I met Jesus and encountered him and fell in love with him. And I say fell in love with him because I've known about Jesus my entire life, and I assume many people have, people that are listening to this as well, who've grown up in a church setting or Christian school setting, and it's very easily presented to you on many occasions, and you can take in the knowledge and throw it back out the other ear, or you can take it in as a sort of truth, but it might not be applicable to your life, it might not be real or any sort of meaningful. And so this is the place God met me to take those truths and unite them with desires mm -hmm. and unite them with love and passion. Um, primarily through the two of you that I get the pleasure to sit down with. Um, so I would say in short that again, my life was about me, that it was about my self betterment, um, things that I thought would make me happier. And it was, it was fun. It was a life that I think most people chase, having a good reputation, a lot of friends, being successful in whatever field they are passionate about. And I was doing very well in sports. Um, I don't like talking about it because it always <laughs> sounds like you're bragging, yeah. but. We'll, we'll vouch for you. Right. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, and so many opportunities there to keep on going in college and such. And ended up leaving the school I was at to come to a different school that was bigger, had a better football program. And I was going to go to a public school, but didn't work out. 
didn't go to high school for like the first three weeks of school starting up. And me and my brother were just hanging out at home trying to figure out where to go. And everybody was like, don't you have to go to school? So <laughs> I just came to Landmark like two weeks, three weeks late. And I was like, I guess I'll go here for now because it's right down the road from my house. Um, that set me. That, that was an eighth grade, right? Well, you're supposed to be high school. You're supposed to be high school, but you repeated the eighth grade just because of athletically. Yeah. To keep get a, a bigger right, on it, right, which was God's providence, of course, because if I was in that class ahead of me, I would have been thrown straight into your class as a new kid mm -hmm. with that group that I knew a little more of the football people, and I don't think I would have paid attention and had the heart that was ready for your class. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I ever heard that. Yeah. Part of things. Huh. Yeah, and and it was. It was all about football. Like I was eighth grade. Didn't really socialize like a new kid should. <laughs> didn't I just kind of put my head down, worked out three times a day, and did all the training and all the things. And things were looking up, running track, getting ready for football. But God just decided to shake things up because he knew why I moved schools, even though I didn't. He had a bigger plan, even though I didn't. And I kind of hated it at first. I was at another smaller private school. I thought it was kind of ridiculous yeah. because the whole goal was to branch out and get more awareness of my sports ability. But uh, yeah, God sat me down that next freshman year in Fred's class and used him to just shake my life up. And one of those evenings after I got home from class and I was thinking about the things we were talking about and sat down in my room and I was praying, I was on my knees and I was like, God, you're gonna have to show me if you're real. I mean, I've heard these things before, but for some reason I'm feeling them now. For some reason there's some, there's a stirring that's going on inside of me that I can't explain. And looking back on it, it's just the bold, faithful declaration of truth that these you men, these men here give you at um, Landmark, but also all throughout God's kingdom. Those people that are willing to stand up and say biblical truths in a way that they mean it and not just feed you something that they were taught as a kid or force rules upon you thinking that it'll be a self-improvement program, um, but that it's a reality that we can experience. And so I was crying in my room, which was odd. I didn't do that, still don't do that much. And so I'm like, okay, what is happening? I, I was, man, I, I was even in my shower and I got down on my knees and I was like, it was just really surreal. And so I said, you gotta send me help. You gotta send me somebody to guide me. And uh, the next morning, which I ran into Coach G, Fred, and we don't see each other that often, even though I was in his class, but it was like eight in the morning, as soon as I walked in, he was sitting there in the hallway at the nurse's office. and. Uh, he just said, hey, Dalton, God was uh, telling me last night that we need to start meeting and uh, start walking through some stuff together. And I was like, okay, yes, sir, that, yeah. that's God. Wow. And that's his providence, and it's real. It's not just a joke or a catchy little lifestyle that you can attend to have good church friends. And there's a, there's a power, there's a sovereignty of God that rests over all people. And, uh, and that was him showing himself to me, yeah. proving that he is Yahweh and that he's here to make his name known and walked me through that these last four or five years to sit me down and, and hopefully just keep glorifying him in the way I live and, and falling in love with him deeper and deeper every day. And, that, and now, university student, right? You, you, can you walk through how God, what's the, what's the progression from that story to today? What, 
What's he been doing lately? What is university life like for you? How is this continuing to be part of your your pursuit of God? Right. Well, in between, I'd say that freshman year and senior year was immense amount of just teaching and learning and him doing internal things in me that were preparing me for the future. So many things that you could just sit down and listen where we could talk about them for hours because of how special it is to me in my life when you go over those moments. But um, just things as far as different coaches that were looking forward to me being there and me looking forward to getting to work with them and things not working out to where I didn't feel the pressure of the coaches forcing me to play because that just that situation was resolved. Um, people that were kind of forcing me to keep playing even though I didn't want to mixed with then having an injury that was unexpected that the doctor basically told me you'll never be able to run or play sports ever again. And all these things that were easing my parents, my family, my friends for a reality that was you're going to lay down the thing that you thought you were going to do the rest of your life. Um, and it was difficult because most people prepare for that. You want that. And it seems like the lifestyle worth living, but the immediate whether it's a sports or musician or whatever these kind of things are. And God was teaching me that there's, there's more out there and you don't have to be that to be satisfied. You don't have to be that to even have a name for yourself right. because your goal is to create a name for me, to declare my name to the people. Yeah. And so football got laid down over a series of prayers and time and meetings with different people. And I just said, God, I'll lay it down and you show me what you want me to do. And then about junior year, I felt called to ministry, to preach. Um, that intertwined with two or three different people in Fred's life that we got mixed up in and um, just had great meetings and great lunch encounters. Because um, we, we've, I've had the privilege of getting to have lunch and dinner with him every week since freshman year, since that nurse's meeting. Yeah. Um, to be encouraged and filled and be discipled, not just give me the Bible and say, now run, but to say, no, look, this is discipleship. This is what Jesus is teaching us. And um, just build me up as a man in Christ. And uh, I, I, so I told my parents, I think God was calling me to preach, to ministry. My pastor at my local church gave me the opportunity to preach the next week. And <laughs> uh, I think I'm called to preach. Okay, good. You're on next week. <laughs> That's what yeah, he, he started tearing up. He started tearing up and then he says, well, I'm ready to get you on. Are you ready? That's incredible. I yeah, said, yeah. God's ready. I'm not ready, but. Well, <laughs> but Geronimo, amen. Right. But well, even through that process, though, too, Dalton, if you remember, you know, whether I can still do this and athletics, you know, and the battle that's there. And I, I mean, I was even to the point where, now, you know, you don't have to write this whole athletic thing off. You can do both. But God was telling you, absolutely not. Right. Yeah. And I, again, yeah, I probably, I can become too zealous in the fact of lay it all down. Just, just go for it. Yeah. But God doesn't call everyone to that. And I, it was for me though. I felt like it was this because I'm so committed to everything I do and I get so passionate about all my hobbies and the things I enjoy that I can easily get sucked up in doing things for myself again or for what I think is a good cause, but it's really just to make my name better rather than um, doing it for God. And so he was telling me, lay it down and do what the Bible tells you, to take up your cross daily, follow me, and my name will be glorified among the nations. Yeah. And so gather my people that have been spread, 
go preach the gospel and the spirit will equip the people that you proclaim it to, to be a part of this kingdom, this great yeah. kingdom. Um, and so that was the call to go kill the dragon and get the right. girl to right. secure the bride of Christ. And so I've been preaching since junior year um, at a couple of different churches, had the opportunity. And we were talking about this yesterday, but the way God's moved in that, as far as even my expectations of what that would look like as a preacher, or I'm about to make the biggest revival and change take place. But it's not about what I'm going to do because God has then shown me, but look at the few, look at the one, look at, look at the cousin or the friend that came up to you weeping and saying, I don't know what God's doing through you, but my life has been impacted forever. And it's those kind of moments that are just humbling and also reassuring because killing the dragon and getting the girl can be bloody and tiring to lug around all the armor and swing the sword every day when you might feel like the battle's lost or even you're just being cut down by some of your own teammates or whatever it is. Um, God's faithful through that. And he's carried me this whole way and had the opportunity senior year to then go into Matthew's class, which if you go to Landmark, you know the privilege that is. If you don't, just come to Landmark. <laughs> but <That's a> but um it is again it's the same thing i was saying with fred just reinforced by godly men who want to see you grow up and be like christ they want to see you be sanctified and i was having this conversation with hunter my friend the recent graduate of landmark um everyone looks up to people like you too when they come through here and they always say man if i could be like one of them but i was telling hunter that i think part of the problem is what they don't realize is you two teach them hoping that they'll do it themselves and not just admire you for it. That you don't want them to just look at you and say, well, that's Mr. Huff. He's amazing. And I'm going to go do my thing. But you teach to inspire. You teach that they will say, now that's someone I can grow to be like. That's someone that can teach me how to carry the gospel better. And so what you're doing is equipping people and I just was lucky to be one of those people. Well, not lucky. I was, God put me here to be one of those people um, where I just feel better equipped. And again, back to the phrase, more in love with Jesus because of it. And that's what you need is the love for Jesus. There's no kind of dedication or legalistic rule set that's going to produce fruit. We're just going to be running on a treadmill endlessly. Well, I've just been in James recently too, you know, and one of my verses is, I think it's 517, you know, like Elijah, who had the very, we have the very same nature as Elijah had, you know, so it's not Elijah's doing it. It's not uh, Matthew or myself. Uh, it, it's because we know our weakness. It, it's just this, this Christ that you point to, uh, which is amazing uh, that, yeah, Paul said, you know, hey, follow me because I, I follow Christ. And, um, so, so as you went this journey, uh, Dalton, and you go, okay, you go now, I'm ready to enter into training uh, for the ministry and head up to Liberty Mountain, all right, to Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, so it was just a great year, right? No problems, man, you just digging in. It wasn't. It wasn't? <laughs> it never is. Yeah, it never is, all right? What, what was going on this whole last year? Well, last year, well, like I said, it got there. And I'm excited thinking new college, new experience, ready to just trailblaze, kill as many dragons as possible. 
and I'm about to just look, look at all these people I get to impact. Um, and then it's a good humility check again, where God's always doing that thing of sitting you down and saying, but just be still and listen to what I'm calling you to. Because I think, uh, again, as someone like me who is passionate about the things I'm doing, I try to come up with the best way to do it, or I try to plan out the most effective way to do what I want to accomplish. And even if it's something good, like glorifying God, oftentimes we forget to, to keep feeding that relationship with him, and we fill it with the mission work. But the mission work will just fizzle out if we don't know him deeper and if we don't keep being with him. And so I think part of the problem was I was just – trying to do and do, and I wasn't being with. I, I was a sheep who was trying to obey the master without hearing his voice first. And you can't, um, you can't do what someone calls you to if you don't listen well. You've talked about that before, the, the importance of being with the people of God, being with, being in the presence of God. Who was it that- uh, Brother you, Lawrence. Thank you, yeah, you, you got it before me, yes. Practice the presence Can of you, God. Go through that again. Well, just... you know, Brother Lark, he was a monk, and all he wanted is the same thing the psalmist says. I set the Lord before me. I want to set the Lord before me. And so he would be washing dishes or doing whatever and going about his duties, and, and he might be saying, oh, my gosh, Father, I have not even thought about you in the last four hours. Please forgive me of that. Let me set the Lord before me. And so he started doing that, even while he was doing dishes, even while he's doing the most uh, mundane tasks at times, uh, and yet God began to meet him. And all of a sudden, people started coming and sitting down with him and just talking with him. And they were amazed about what he knows. And, and the whole thing was, he says, I just been with the Father. Yeah. It's him, you know, being with um, uh, a first that made all the difference in the world. Because we're, you know, we can get so tied up. Oh, next seminary, next this. And we're all about the doing instead of the being and um, uh, I just want to just love about it is uh, I set the Lord before me how many times a day I need to set him before me and just be with him um, because we do get tied up with we are created for good works but we get tied up in the good works after um, salvation through faith alone you know through grace by faith yeah. so yeah well it speaks to what we talked about as far as the disciples celebrating over the fact that they had worked miracles and that um, the demons were obeying and these sort of things. And then Jesus sits them down and he says, but celebrate over the fact that your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. And he's not so much saying celebrate the fact that you've been saved from this consequence, of, but, but celebrate the fact that you know me. Yeah. Celebrate the fact that you can be with me and not that you can do miracles because of me. That those are only so that more people can be with me. All of the miracles and the doing is is a means to get people to Jesus, to right. fall in love with him and not just know of him. Funny you mentioned that. Because oh, while you were <clears throat> while you were explaining earlier how God had worked on you as an eighth grader, ninth grader, I know uh, Fred, you and I are parents, probably people listening, Christian parents that pray fervently that their children would not just come to know the Lord, but would do so in a way to where it is personal it is volitional it is uh the faith of their own relationship with christ right. not it's not borrowed faith right. um, and it sounds like that's exactly what happened to you where you had been raised by parents that prayed for you you had 
attended a Christian school, you had people praying over you, and then the Lord worked in you in such a way to where you sought it out. So can you, do you remember distinct choices you made or things you sought out that uh, was the result of God's working in you and you personalizing it? Something that parents could pray for their children to say, God, don't just reveal yourself and save my child, but also instill within them a hunger. You know what I mean? That they won't just take my word for it. Do you, it, are there moments in eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade where you like, I, I trusted the Lord, I put my faith in Him, and then I was hungry for this and was hungry for that? Yeah, as a precursor, before I come around to that, for anyone who's listening, that it might help. It, it saying it like this, eighth grade, ninth grade. Um, it sounds so quick and young for someone to be zealous or all these things I hear from people like, wow, you're doing so many things. But when God's alive in you, you're never too young. You know, Jeremiah was incredibly young to be doing the things he was doing. And I challenged the people with this as I was subbing at Landmark the other day, the kids, juniors was, don't wait. You can go out now and make a difference and make an impact. And that just, because my junior year, I told them that I got the chance to preach and then be ordained a few months after that. And it's like, that didn't make any sense to me. I don't know why God would allow me to do that. Because the other thing I'm saying is it, it wasn't squeaky clean up until eighth, ninth grade. I did a lot of things that parents would cry over, that my mom cried over, that my mom was furious with. Things that if your kid is doing, you might think they're headed down a terrible path. That you might give up or lose a sense of zeal to keep praying because you don't see it working. But my mom didn't quit, even though I gave her a hard time about a lot of things. And so my point is that the spirit can change any heart. The, the spirit can do immensely greater things than we can imagine. And so if anybody knows me before eighth grade, they're amazed that I'm preaching now. It makes no sense to them. And I agree because it's only by the power and grace of God. And so if there's any parent that's struggling because of things their kid are doing or they're suggesting or saying don't run from it and, and don't also shame them for it in a way that, you know, well, you just got to keep reading or don't ask that or just have conversations and, and be with them because God's the one that's going to bring them around. Right. And so the answer to what you're saying is my mom was just there praying with me, being with me, holding my hand as I was making horrible mistakes. And God was along the way holding my hand and saying, yeah, but look what I'm leading you to at Landmark. Look what I'm about to introduce you to because of the mistakes you've made. And so when I was met with a wall of just love and grace, my heart was stirred and affected. And so to feed that hunger, like you were talking about, it was really this sense of, look, the spirit can make you alive and there's truth, but now there's truth to be grabbed. Coach G always uses the phrase that there's, um, there's nuggets of treasure out there, but there's treasure and it's, um, um, what's the verse? The Kings that go and seek uh, it out. Glory of God. Yeah. yeah. It is the glory of uh, God to conceal a matter, to hide it. Right. But it's also the glory of Kings to seek it out. Right. And, and that's the thing is that we're all made with a desire to be curious, to seek out, to understand. I mean, you talk about this, we want to know what life's about. We want to know truth. We think all these things matter, 
But if you're not being encouraged in that, then it can fizzle away. And so one of the greatest things was there's treasure out there. Go and find it and it will be valuable to you. And so the awakening and I guess the the falling in love is not something I can prescribe or you can prescribe. But the, the opportunity and the place and the setting that you can build for kids and students to go and find those treasures is the best things we can do is put something in front of them that calls them to a higher standard and says, you don't have to settle where you're at. Look at what's available and just seek it and find it. Because as he promises, those who seek will find and what you find will be valuable and it will mean the world to you. And so what I, what I was met with was the opportunity to seek and then God proving to me every time I found that it was valuable that God was reinforcing the things he said. And it wasn't just me talking about heady truths that existed only in my brain, but built their way all the way through my heart and my body. Yeah. Do you remember, because he said that when God was working on his heart, you had been there and that hey, God told me that we need to, I'm going to pour into you. Do you remember praying over Dalton or those sorts of, I'm just thinking of parents that, might be listening to this or adults that are encouraged at someone who's in their early 20s who has such a fire but we could be seeking that out and praying for that do you remember those early yeah. interactions with him and oh, yeah. what god was doing in your heart as a as a potential mentor potential um relational figure in his life toward discipleship well you know just been you know teaching and stuff for 30 some years you know you you just gotta be faithful in sewing. And and it's not like you got I had a great lesson plan. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that day I had just a great lesson plan, but it is the God's doing the awakening. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what, you know, us as parents is, you know, Father, please awaken my son or daughter as only you can. And then you can be so incredible by like that night I was thinking about Dalton and praying and I just thought, well, man, we just got to get together. Um, and I don't know why, it, of course, the father and serendipitous moment. We yeah. ran at each other. He prayed that night. I have no clue that he was even seeking uh, that. And it was just like, uh, so moments like that, you, you can put your stake down the ground and say, okay, father, you still work and still move. And, um, you know, I didn't go tell Crystal, uh, Dalton's mom or, or his dad or anything. I just, hey, let's just start meeting. And um, and I've done that before, and it's been incredible. Uh, groups of, small groups of men and, and that's here. But um, but with Dalton, it was just, he just had more questions. You know, I just love that. Yeah. Give, give my son and daughter, because uh, this heart is just hungers and doesn't doesn't mind the hard questions to begin to ask. And I guess as as parents, we've got to be aware that hard questions are coming. And like you said, Dalton, the first sitting down with your mom and just and she's walking through these hard questions. So I think the encouragement to the parents, yeah, you know, and it's for for my two girls too. I got one who's um, that we have three grandkids through and I've got one who's still here and we still pray for the same thing. Awaken, awaken, like only you can. And then 
began to set things in motion and people in place to speak life into them that they'll be able to recognize. Is that, I mean, is that what you're Yeah, I just, um, I've just encouraged Dalton. So I remember just even before you were in my class, just um, early interactions, I think one or two times you'd come and introduce yourself and were asking me some questions. And, and I, th I remember being a teenager and apologetics was a big interest. And yeah, but why is it true? And why are these not true? And I just, that mind, um, when you're in middle school and high school, I think that starts kicking in. Yeah. And that's when I think, I don't have teenagers yet, but I'm anticipating really praying, that, all right, God, stir, stir within them a love and a desire to know what's true. And then um, place in their path godly men, godly women, godly people who they can be surrounded by. And so I think that's where... Um, I would just encourage people to be available to the people in their life and just be sensitive to the, especially with young people, be sensitive to that and don't, don't be so busy or so task driven, task oriented that you can't fit that. It just, I want that to be something I pray more is that God would make me a hearer of other people around me so that those godly interactions and conversations yeah. could come. Now, since Sean's not here, I can use that Thessalonians text. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it is, you know, they're deceived because they did not receive the love of the truth. Right. I think that is a prayer yeah. that we need to be praying over our, our kids and over ourselves. Father, help me to continue to receive. In other words, if I receive it, somebody's given it to me. It's not like I'm, oh, I've got this built up to this intellectual part that I figured this whole thing out. But the Father wants to give it to to us, and we just receive this love of the truth. Um, so it, it's 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 the exciting thing to look back and say, "Oh, that is cool!" You know, that that's what's happened. Uh, so, Dalton, as we as we just draw things to a close, uh, I know that um, Fred, you've been in James for a long time. I just when we talk, it's just there's always a word from James that's just fresh on your mind. You've preached recently, just before you head back to the university. So, uh, just is there anything in particular God has been uh, settling in your mind and your heart, or something you've been reading that you would commend uh, to the, to our listeners, to us, to each other? But then also just an encouragement in general. You know, like what you were saying about just keep praying for your children, keep praying for the nations, keep praying for others, even when it's bleak. You never know what God is. You never know what is coming around the corner. Um, so just any last thing you'd like to, to offer? Yeah, I think summing it would be, as you just said, the love of the truth, that one thing to remember is we're fighting a spiritual battle just as we are a physical one. And the reason some people don't look zealous for God is because their hearts are not zealous for God. But he can awaken that, and that goes back to what I was saying, in that he can awaken any heart. The, the dirtiest and brokenest of hearts or the cleanest and innocent. But there is no innocent, and that's the point, is that um, what I've been reading and what I preached on, Psalm 51, it starts out with, have mercy on me, O God, that we are all sinners, and we do deserve a punishment. But the encouraging thing that anybody listening can be encouraged about is that he's the God of the steadfast love that's renewed every morning, and he delights in a broken and contrite spirit, in a spirit that's humble, 
and admits the only thing that can help me, that can restore me, is the blood of Jesus, yeah. that it's the cross. And so it sounds, it seems like oftentimes when people ask for help or advice and then they're met with keep praying persistently or look to the blood, it's like, I know that one, but what can I actually do to help me? But I think the answer to that is we sell ourselves short when we don't see that as the answer. When we don't see that as a viable solution, we say that is the answer, but there's got to be something else that I can do. We're just showing that we're, we're not putting our full trust in that solution. And, um, and so recovering the thing with what do parents want to do when their kids are struggling? Is there a kid out there who's struggling? What should I do? What we should do is, is trust what we've been taught, what God is revealing to us, in that his word is true, he is true, and so seek, you will find, and let it be a reality that the Lord is good, that what you taste and see will be good. Mm. And the more God proves that to you, the more you can't help but to keep running faster and stronger and build the army that you'll be able to fight any dragon. Right. And the bride will be secure because God is the one who's going to do Good in every work, every good and perfect gift, it'll be him. Yeah. And so don't take yourself too seriously. Don't think that your sin cannot be forgiven because this is the God who made you. And, and don't think that you can fix it all by reading a certain amount or praying a certain amount. Trust God to restore you to himself and take joy in that. And, and, and you always phrase things, um, we talked about this yesterday too, but your class, anybody who had your class, the way you speak about it is we, we talked about different language that you can use that doesn't seem like the run of the mill stuff that, that kind of goes in your ears and you're like, oh, I've heard that. And you let it brush past you. And so I say to parents or anybody who wants to encourage another, let the reality of Jesus come out in the way you act and the way you speak, because if you're conveying to someone that Jesus is your greatest treasure, but you can't talk about him any more passionately than a loaf of bread, yeah. then, then what is that going to say about the God you claim to worship? And so be encouraged. Show your kids, your wife, show your brother and your friends that Jesus is worth it. And the only way to do that is to seek and taste that he is worth it. And, and so do that and pray earnestly until he does that for you, because he will. Every heart who wants him will get him. Yeah. And so if you don't want him, I remember praying this, even in that period there, um, after we had our first encounter, God, I don't want you today. God, I, I know I should desire you more. But it seems like I was a little more stirred up the other day when me and Coach G were meeting. Well, he can restore that in you. Today is a new day, and he can renew a spirit that is joyful. He said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And so trust God to do that. And don't sell him or yourself short by thinking, again, that this is self-help, that this is so that your family can look squeaky clean because you attend church. This is the God of the universe that wants to commune with you and cleanse you that you can be like him. Right. And so trust him 
and be like him because there's no greater satisfaction. I think one of us should say it since Shauna isn't here. The uh, you're on your throne. Your word is true and trustworthy. That's something she says all the time. So Shauna, if you're listening, I'm going to say it on your behalf. That God is on his throne. His word is true and trustworthy. Um, so last question. What's your favorite thing about being a dangerous saint? I think it would be wrong if I didn't say that my favorite thing is killing dragons. Yeah. It just feels good. <laughs> and, it's a, and it's a reality because I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that get upset when I get upset about an issue or I start to passionately <laughs> insert um, something God's been teaching me. And you're immediately met with this wall of, why are you being so aggressive? Or why would you hate me like that? Why would you say those things to me? But being a dangerous saint isn't this new branding of a new idea. It, this is something that God has instructed us to be, to live, and uh, he's preparing us for that. And so go kill dragons. And the only way to do that is by being passionate about it, by saying, no, I've tasted God, and what you're doing is cutting the legs off. You're insisting that this isn't the God of the universe. You're insisting that he isn't good. And so watch as I swing a sword at you. Like three testing. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> test one, two. Test one, two. There's a, a, a cosmic interruption. Somebody doesn't want Dalton to declare the word. And see, that needs a sword. We got to take that out. But no, it's true. Um, celebrate the fact that we don't have to just smile at people and say, "Well, God loves you," and I hope that's enough. Prove to them, prove to them in your words, in your actions, in your passions, the way you treat your family and your job, that uh, God's worth living for and he's worth defending. And so even if you get dirty or bloody, then it's worth it because what we are is dangerous saints fighting to one day reach the kingdom. Yeah, fight the good fight. Right. That's right. Well, be a part of the kingdom. That's for Yeah. Friend, hey. Well, Jake says, you know, a crown is coming. But until then, persevere. You know, so don't keep persevering, man. Yeah. Right. Everybody listening. Yes. Yeah. It's just good. It's so good to know too that that God's, uh, He's on His throne. His word is true and trustworthy. That there are generational blessings that will, will, when you and I are ancient history, that they will still carry on. That God, God is on His throne, and so the world isn't about me. And so the fact that he's bringing up a new generation who will have children and bring up a new generation is just this beautiful reminder. That's just like, I'll be bones one day and God will still be true and trustworthy. I just, that, that's what makes it a good fight is that it's not up to me. It's just so good. Um, well, excellent. Dalton, Godspeed at college. Uh, <laughs> I hope you make it in one piece with all the, all the packing that remains. Well, good. Well, for Fred Gilgeson and for the absent Shauna Gibby, who we miss and we hope will be back next time. And for Dalton Colburn, uh, I'm Matt Huff. This has been Kill the Dragon, podcast for Dangerous Saints. And we will... A severe thunderstorm warning is in effect. Please stay in your present location. Remain calm. <laughs> and await further instructions. I know that y'all are catching that on air. That's uh, our wonderful severe warning storm. So, <laughs> and the storm is coming. Be ready. Persevere. Persevere. <laughs> right. right. Well, if we are still here next time, we'll record a new episode. All so, right. See, see you then. All right. All right.